It's the payoff. Almost died coming into work today because of the roads, but you know what? We're here. We're ready to rock and roll on a Tuesday afternoon. Welcome into the payoff. You're here. You've made it. It's time to talk some sports. Detroit Lions on the clock. We're going to hold off on the Jim Harbaugh stuff until anything is official. I don't want to get into it. Uh, I'm still in denial, to be honest. But for those who don't know, it's looking real promising if you're a Chargers fan. And if you're a Michigan fan, not looking good. We're going to save that for a different day, though. Today's about the Lions. This whole week's about the Lions. This whole year has been about the Lions. It's our bread and butter. It's our fuel. Pure octane, they call it. Now listen, here's the thing. And by the way, Ben Bosher here. Hudson on the producer chair. One more time, we welcome you into the payoff. And here's the thing. If you heard the promo running throughout the day, promoting the show, getting you ready for 6 o'clock, you heard me ask kind of a dumb question. Whether or not Jared Goff deserved a contract extension. The, answer's, uh, the answer is obviously yes. If you think otherwise at this point, please leave. Jared Goff's getting a contract extension. That's really no longer a question. So, sure, bad on my part for, not guarantee, uh, for bringing up that question. The question I began to ask myself last night and all of today really was, what makes Jared Goff special? Is he even special at all? I've been thinking over and over and over trying to come up with an answer whether or not he is special, and if so, why? I went all the way, I I mean, I fixated on this all night long to the point where I went all the way back to his pre-Cal days, his high school days, see if anything special stuck out there. 93 touchdowns as a three-year starter at Marin Catholic, which, by the way, is just 40 minutes from San Francisco Stadium. Yeah, Jared Goff is from San Francisco, by the way. Played high school ball less than an hour away from San Francisco Stadium. He's got a little bit of a home field advantage here. Knows the area. Going to have some fans there. Hopefully they can fill up that stadium with Honolulu Blue. But anyway, he played in one state championship in high school. Didn't win the game. But even getting there in California is not a gimme. There's so much talent out there. To get your team all the way to the state championship? It's impressive stuff. But from a recruiting standpoint... Nothing special. Four-star recruit. Offers from Boise State, Oregon State, and Cal. That's it. No top-tier programs. No Michigan. No Alabama. No USC. No UCLA. No Oregon. No. This This is the bottom feeders of the Power Five conferences. Those are the guys that offered Jared Goff a contract. And obviously, he goes to Cal. Started as a true freshman, which is way more rare these days than people realize. Starts for three years. Completed over 60% of his passes all three years as a starter. And by senior year, he was 64% completion percentage. 4,700 passing yards, 43 touchdowns, 9.4 yards per attempt. Now, to put that into some context, because I know a lot of people are thinking, what is that supposed to mean? What am I supposed to take away from that? Caleb Williams this year, who's this transcendent quarterback, number one overall pick, the next Patrick Mahomes, he was 68%. Completion percentage this year, 3,600 yards, 30 touchdowns, 9.4 yards per attempt. Jared Goff blows that out of the water as a senior at Cal. Jaden Daniels, the Heisman winner from 2023, completes 72% of his passes, so he gets the edge on Jared Goff there. 
But even the Heisman winner, 3,800 yards, 40 touchdowns. I'll repeat it again. Jared Goff had 4,700 yards and 43 touchdowns as a senior. It was enough to earn him the number one overall pick. First in school history in passing yards, touchdowns, completions. Well, I mean, that's not much of an accomplishment at Cal, right? I mean, I'd say at any D1 school, you walk away as the passing leader for basically every stat. It's a pretty impressive feat. Not a lot of team success while he was in Cal. That's fine. In fact, as a freshman, they only went 1-11. But no one's sitting here talking about Jared Goff's college career. It's not really the fun part of his storyline uh, as a football player. But... You look at that senior season, and probably doesn't get talked about enough how remarkable that really was. And again, we're trying to figure out whether or not this guy was special. Now, there's some pretty good statistics from your senior year in college when your team went 8-5. and Does that make you special? Not exactly. All right, let's look at his NFL career then. Number one overall pick. Only played seven games as a rookie. And as the first year as a starter, keep in mind they had the number one overall pick a season ago. As a first year as a starter, they go 11-4, and four, win the division. And by the way, this is the same division that had, like, prime Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll. A little bit past the Legion of Boom days, but still that Seattle team that went to the Super Bowl, core of it's still there. They win that division, the Rams do. He's named to the Pro Bowl in his second season as a starter, and then he gets better from that point on. In his third year, 13-3. and three. Pro Bowler wins the division again. Has the number two scoring offense in the NFL only behind the Chiefs. Goes to the Super Bowl with Robert Woods and Brandon Cooks as his top two wideouts. And is responsible for one of the best NFL games in the history of the sport. That Monday night game, the shootout with the Chiefs. That means something. He was in that game. He was the quarterback. They finally make it to the Super Bowl. Horrible. I don't need to go over the stats. Everyone is well aware of how bad that game was for Jared Goff. And from that point forward, there was the question, can you win the big thing with Jared Goff? Seems like a ridiculous question for a guy who just headed up the second best offense in the NFL, played in a Super Bowl, but that's just how it was. He was that bad in that game. Plus, I mean, it could not possibly have been Sean McVay's fault, right? No media outlet out there wanted to say one negative thing about Sean McVay at the time. Everybody liked him. He was the new, young, upcoming coach. He's easy to work with if you were part of the media, bright young star out in L.A. So the blame had to go elsewhere, and it ended up falling on Jared Goff. Was that fair? No, probably not. But guess what? Life's not fair, and neither are sports. From that point forward, the relationship with Sean McVay got rocky, to say the least. (laughs) Got rockier and rockier pretty much every day the next two seasons. And I think... I can say with confidence that hurt, that hurt Jared Goff's confidence. And his pro reference, if you go look at that, will reflect that. In the next two years, he drops in yards, touchdowns, QBR, passer rating. And it's hard to really knock him for that. I mean, if your boss told you every single day, you're about to get replaced. Make one more mistake and you're gone. You keep messing up. Not my fault. Hell, let's say Brad Tunney's telling me every single day, this show stinks. When are you going to put it? I would end up doing a bad show because I don't have any confidence. No one's putting that confidence in me. All that probably could have been avoided. Yet Sean McVay decides to bench Jared Goff for John Wolford in a playoff game. In a playoff game. That was childish. 
And it was an immature move by Sean McVay. Because there is no universe out there where John Wolford is better than Jared Goff. Not one. It's just stupid. He had to consciously, consciously bench Jared Goff for John Wolford. To what? Try and make a point? Try and prove that it wasn't his fault the team fell off offensively? Try to put the blame on Jared? It was dumb. It was a destructive decision that also happened to be the straw that broke the camel's back. Only it wasn't a straw, it was a piano. If there was an adult in the room, I don't know, say Dan Campbell as the head coach rather than Sean McVay, sure, maybe they don't have this spectacular offense, but you know what? If an adult is in the room, someone who's a little older, not the youngest head coach in NFL history, you wouldn't be going against him. You'd be pumping confidence into the guy. You'd pump belief into your quarterback, work with him, not against him. And you probably could have given yourself a pretty good chance to get back to the Super Bowl at some point over the next few years. Nothing's guaranteed. But if you continue to pump confidence into the guy, at least you've got a shot. That was a sabotaging move by Sean McVay to bench him. Sabotaging. Probably set that team back for a few years. And it probably all could have been avoided. But guess what? It wasn't. Oh, well. You fast forward to now. And now Jared Goff is one win away from being the fourth quarterback all time to bring two different franchises to the Super Bowl. He would join Peyton Manning, Kurt Warner, and Tom Brady. So let's go back full circle. Is Jared Goff special? And if he is, why? Again, I've thought about this for way too long, like an obsessive amount of time over the past 24 hours. And I think I've ultimately landed on this. No. Jared Goff's not special. He's not special in terms of what makes a quarterback special. He has no quarterback talent that makes him more special than anybody else. Does a few things at an elite level, but he's not one of the elite quarterbacks in the NFL. He's the safe option. You know what you're getting with Jared Goff. It's not flashy. It's not backwards passes, sidearm, no look. That's not what you're getting. You're getting a safe option. Getting someone who's really good at football. But maybe he's not top tier. There's better options out there. He's not a Ferrari. He's not a Lamborghini. He's a Lexus. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with a Lexus. They're reliable. They make you feel safe. Make you feel comfortable. Don't need a ton of maintenance on them. It's a perfectly fine car. Some would call it a great car. But it's no one's dream car. Sean McVay traded in the Lexus for a Mercedes with 1,500 miles on it. Or 115,000 miles on it, I should say. We fixed up the Lexus and just passed the Mercedes on the way to Vegas. Are Lexuses special? Not necessarily, but to some people they are. This, this specific Lexus is special to us. And we're not getting rid of it anytime soon. So pay Jared Goff. He's earned it. Is he special? Not to everybody else, but to Detroit? Absolutely he is. That's where I'm at with it. I've thought about this for a long time, though. Uh, Where are you guys at? 989-837-6125. Do you think Jared Goff is special? Are you with me in the essence that maybe he's not special from a national standpoint, but he's certainly special to us? He's got a special place in our hearts. We're not trading him in anytime soon. You may as well get used to paying him, and I'll tell you that as someone who is very against it even a month ago. I didn't think there was any reason to pay him prematurely. 
Let him play through his contract next season and then give him the pay bump. But no. The dude's one win away from bringing the Lions. Jared Goff is one win away from bringing the Lions to a Super Bowl. Yes. <laughs> give him some job security, man. He's special to us. 989-837-6125. Is he special to you? We'll keep the Jared Goff conversation rolling. No high school basketball today. Ended up getting canceled due to the roads outside. Again, be safe if you're out there driving. Don't text in if you're driving. Hand it to the passenger. And let's interact with the show. Uh, we've got some great stuff planned for you today. I've got the Lions top 10 list coming. Now that the season is, I don't want to say over. It's not over. But now that we have an end in sight, do a little bit of reflecting on this season. Got the 10 best Lions for you. Got a lock of the day. Hudson, he's going to make his debut. It's all coming up within the hour on The Payoff, fueled by Forward Energy. The Payoff continues. More from the Great Lakes Bay region's home for sports. Sports Radio 100.9, The Mint. Welcome back into The Payoff. Ben Bosher here, 100.9, The Mint. Here's what we're trying to figure out. Is Jared Goff special? And if he is, what makes him special? Thought about it all night. Decided on ultimately, no, he's not special. There's nothing that makes him special, but he is special to us. He is a special place in our heart. There's a few things he does at an elite level. And to be honest, (laughs) one of the more underrated ones that not a lot of people are talking about is he's clutch. Now, he didn't come through in that Super Bowl. That's fine. They were held to three points. I don't think you can solely blame it on Jared Goff. But if you look at what he's done in the fourth quarter of games since week 10, including the playoffs, this is just like, watch every Lions game. And even I was shocked by this. 92.7 passing yards per fourth quarter, first in the NFL. Completion percentage of 74, first in the NFL. Seven passing touchdowns, first in the NFL. Passer rating of 113, you guessed it, first in the NFL. Time and time again, the Lions have asked Jared Goff to come through and win the game rather than the running game, which you'd think is kind of the opposite opposite way of thinking of most teams. Most teams, you're up, you want to run the ball, run the clock out, force teams to call a timeout, whereas the Lions think, well, we trust our guy. We trust Jared Goff to make the play. You guys saw it against the Rams. Second and eight. You need a first down to win the game. 99% of other coaches in the NFL are calling a run play there. You force the Rams to burn a timeout. Dan Gamble and Ben Johnson say, no, we trust our quarterback. We trust one of our best players, Amon Ross St. Brown. They're going to pick up this first down. The consequences of that play, if it doesn't work, are detrimental. Not only do the Rams save a timeout because the pass was incomplete and the time stops, but now all of a sudden it's third down, third and nine, with like 90 seconds to go. You could possibly give the Rams back the ball with over a minute. And we've seen Matthew Stafford do that in countless meaningless regular season games. Again, I won't give him credit for for giving us too many memories. Kind of burned that bridge when he went off on a tangent after the game. But story for last week. You guys can go back and listen to it on any, any streaming platform. Spotify, Apple Music, however you get your podcasts. We're on there too. Quick little plug in for you. Uh, but back to what I was saying. Jared Goff... I mean, on the other hand, again, the Lions have asked him to win us games multiple times, and he's done a pretty good job of that, being 12-5. and He does a lot of elite things. 
even though I wouldn't consider him an elite quarterback in this league. He's never going to be better than Mahomes. He's never going to be better than Brady or than Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, most of those guys in the AFC, even CJ Stroud. He'll never be better than them. That's fine. We'll just keep winning games because <laughs> I'd rather keep winning games than have an MVP on the team. It's nice. It's nice to flex about your MVP. It's fun to watch. But at the end of the day, you want to win games. And that's what Jared Goff does. It's not flashy. It's not in your face. It's not making Sports Center top tens. But it's enough. It's enough to win you a lot of football games. So no, he's not special. But he is special to us. He's special to me. I mean, he brought this team. He's in the the Lions are in the NFC Championship. Gosh, I have to remind myself every 25 minutes of it because it doesn't feel real. I'm waiting to wake up. But this is reality. Jared Goff's one win away from going to the Super Bowl. Again, with a different team. And if you listen to the first segment, you, again, why did, why did Jared Goff get benched for John Wolford? Sean McVay was trying to prove a point. It was just stupid. It was destructive. It ruined the team. It set them back. In no world is Jared Goff not as good as a court. In no world is Jared Goff not running laps around John Wolford. What on earth did Sean McVay have to see in practice to make that stupid decision? It was petty. He's a young guy. Couldn't have been his fault. Then again, he's the face of that team. Couldn't be his fault. Even though most definitely was. Uh, he ends up getting a Super Bowl, so I think it worked out for everybody. But Jared Goff, he gets the last laugh. So I'll throw out the number, 989-837-6125. Do you think Jared Goff is special? Hudson, I think you've earned this. It's time to make your debut. What do you think? Is Jared Goff special? I would say Jared Goff is special. I mean, just looking at the regular season numbers, compared to, you mentioned, he's no Pat Mahomes, but compared to Pat Mahomes, he, he has better numbers, better completions, more uh, attempts, better completion percentage, yards per attempt is up, less interceptions, and I understand Mahomes had the issue has the issue with the receivers dropping the ball and everything, but you mentioned it. Jared Goff gets things done when it when it needs to be done, and, you know, he's getting the wins for, he's getting the wins for the Exactly. Lines. Exactly. I, I mean, that's all you can really ask for. Doesn't have to, nothing Detroit has ever done has been flashy. The bad boys weren't flashy. The 04 going to work Pistons weren't flashy. They were going to work. Nothing flashy about it. You put on your shirt and tie, you show up to work, you get your business done, and you leave with a win. That's what the Lions have embraced. That's what Dan Campbell has created. It's not about the media attention. It's not about making SportsCenter top 10. It's not about the individual. There's no individuals on this team. Whereas you look around the rest of the NFL and all around the league, there's guys that just make it about them. Stefan Diggs comes to mind. And look who the Bills have had problems with this year. There's no one like that on the Lions roster. Jared Goff said it after the game. No one is here by accident. They've constructed this roster in a way that every single person there is doing it for those around them. They're doing it for the city. Which you'd think is just a gimme. You'd think most teams would have that figured out, but they don't. There's a problem with it in the NFL. And all, pretty much every other team besides maybe Kansas City would trade in their culture for ours. It's crazy to think about. Dan Campbell gets hired, and he's some meathead. He's some bozo talking about biting kneecaps. Everyone's making fun of it. They zagged. Everyone else zigged. 
Everyone else tried to get someone from the Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan tree. Everyone tried to find this young play caller. That was the trend. It's what everyone was trying to do. It's what the Packers did. It's what the Vikings did. It's what the Dolphins did. And it worked out for, I guess, all three of those teams. Lions didn't want to do that. They wanted to do something so different than everyone else because for so long, they have been the bottom feeders of the NFL. You may as well take a swing. And they took a swing on Dan Campbell, all right. And guess what? Took a while. Maybe the first at-bat didn't go too well. Maybe the second at-bat wasn't, didn't get all the way around the bases. But this third at-bat, he's hit a freaking home run. Everyone else tried to get the young, upcoming guy. Flashy play caller. Dan Campbell was hired to change the culture. They knew what they were getting. They were getting someone who had been an interim head coach before. They were getting a leader of men. That's what Jared Goff is, too, by the way. That is what this whole conversation is centered around. Jared Goff, what you get off the field from him is just as equal as what you get from him on the field. He's a leader. He leads by example. He's not going to the podium saying any nonsense like some of these other quarterbacks do. No. Shows up, gives credit to his teammates. First one there, last one to leave. Doesn't need anyone else to know that besides his teammates. He wants to let his teammates know that he is there for them and vice versa. Because none of it happens without the offense line. None of it happens without the running game. None of it happens without the coaches. They knew what they were getting when they hired Dan Campbell. It was someone who was going to change the culture. Wasn't an X's and O's guys. Wasn't someone who was going to be this fancy play caller. No. They wanted to reset the culture because for so long, it had been horrible. No one knew what was going on. There was no communication levels within the building when Martha Ford was running things. Sheila Hamp takes over and says, no, we're going to do things right this time. I'm not going to do what everyone else is doing. I'm not going to do what we've done for decades. I'm going to change every single thing we're doing down to the studs. And that's exactly what she did. And look where it's got us. Shout out Sheila Hamp. You're one of the best owners we've got. One of the best owners in the NFL. Doesn't get enough credit for what they have built here. Uh, all right. We're having some fun here on the payoff. It's a blizzardy day outside. Uh, you guys can text in whether or not you guys think Jared Goff is special. 989-837-6125. Still got a lock of the day. And of course, I wanted to go over the top 10 players on the Detroit Lions. It's kind of tacky, I know, uh, for a Tuesday. Come on, Ben. Talk about the 49ers game. Not quite there yet. That'll be Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, no show Friday. That'll be Wednesday and Thursday. But now that we're coming close to the end, light at the end of the tunnel. Although if you remember Dan Campbell's speech, there is no light at the end of the tunnel. It's a freak train coming at you. Is Jared Goff special? 989-837-6125. You guys can chime in on the Frick Sports Bar text line. We'll hit that on the other side. On the payoff, fueled by Forward Energy. Get back to the payoff on the Great Lakes Bay region's home for sports. Yeah, everybody looks good at home. Sports Radio 100.9, The Mitt. We'll get to your guys' text in just a second. We're trying to discuss, figure out whether or not Jared Goff is special. I don't think he is, but he is special to us. There's a big difference between that. He's a Lexus, not a Ferrari. He's not anyone's dream car, but he's still a pretty damn good car. Uh, real quick, though, Baseball Hall of Fame just got announced. So I guess you got, you got, we got a breaking news button? Sure, go for it. All right. Class of 2024. You got to exceed 75% of the votes to get into the Baseball Hall of Fame. This year, Adrian Beltre, Joe Maurer. And Todd Hilton, all going to the Hall of Fame. 
In other words, Victor Martinez got screwed. Nah. He was, people forget how good Victor Martinez was for the Tigers, though. He finished second in MVP voting one year. Can you believe that? Victor Martinez. Second. I think he led the league in batting average that year at like plus at like 350. It's ridiculous numbers. Uh, he's not getting in. That's okay. Adrian Belte, Joe Maurer, Todd Hilton. Shout out those guys. Other news. Again, we're not going to do a segment on it because nothing's official yet. Not going to do the whole if it happens game. But it sounds like Jim Harbaugh's out the door. Sounds like Jim Harbaugh's going to take this Chargers job. job. Um, that is if everything, I mean, he's going in for like a, not a third interview, but like a third meeting with them pretty much to go over. He's probably going to take the Chargers job, guys. Hate to break it to you. All right, let's hit the Frick Sports Bar text line. You guys can join the conversation, 989-837-6125. I want to hear from everyone else. Is Jared Goff special or not? Let's kick things in. Wow. Maybe, maybe one day I'll figure out how to talk on this microphone. Let's start things out with Zach from Fairgrove. What's up, Ben? Zach from Saginaw. Goff has shown that he can make big throws and has shown to be special. Or better yet, him. Capital H, capital I, capital M. Off to play action, he's one of the best. He's a California kid that has come into Detroit and has been installed with that grit. McVay wanted nothing to do with him, which still doesn't make any sense. In the time, like I think most people in the media kind of went at Jared Goff when Sean McVay benched him because, again, it couldn't have been Sean McVay's fault. He was a 37-year-old coach bringing a young, young star out in L.A., no one was ever going to say a bad thing about him, so it had to go on someone else, and it fell on Goff, which isn't fair, but life's not fair. But to say that Jared Goff is not <laughs> is a worse quarterback than John Wolford is just ridiculous. Like, Jer- Sean McVay should have to answer to that. Sean McVay needs to be in front of a microphone, and if I somehow got into the press room of the LA Rams, that'd be what I'd catch him so off guard. Be like, what went into your decision to bench Jared Goff for John Wolford? And you probably won't have an answer because it was ridiculous. In no universe is Jared Goff a worse quarterback. Uh, contrarian chiming in. How's it going? Special, but not, uh, maybe, but not improved. For sure, McVay would have known what his weaknesses were from the LA days, and yet he couldn't scheme his defense enough to stop him two weeks ago. So surely he has improved since his LA days. Listen, Jared Goff's playing the best football of his career. Like, I don't think that's a conversation anymore, right? I think everyone's just on board with that. Jared Goff is in his prime right now. Jared Goff has, I don't even want to say the best system around him either, or the best play caller, because he had Sean McVay out in LA, which as much as I'm bashing Sean McVay, he's one of the best coaches in the league. But you look at what Jared Goff has done with what he's been gifted in Detroit. I mean, they've pumped confidence in him. They've believed in him. They've catered the offense for him, not in a negative way either, in ways that bring out the best in Goff. Goff's our guy. Plain and simple. Questions no longer are not whether we're paying him. It's how much. Get ready to cough up some cha-ching. Just write it in in the books. He's getting paid. Uh, all right. You guys can keep texting it in. 989-837-6125. That's the number of the Frick Sports Bar text line. But I did want to go over something. Season, like I said, light at the end of the tunnel. For the first time, we're sitting here, and I'm content with the Lions season maybe coming to an end on Sunday. I'm not saying it will. That's not my prediction. But it could. 
The first one was a must win for the sake of getting rid of the history. You get the monkey off your back, fighting off the demons. Putting SOL in a grave and proving the brand new Lions are a thing. That's what the first game was. The second game against the Bucks. I mean, come on, man. That was a gimme. You had to win that game. I never wavered from the fact that I thought they were going to. And cover. Now this game, now you've succeeded expectation. Now you've done more than anyone has possibly believed you could this season. You've proved all the haters wrong. There's no longer people out there that think this team is fraud. Remember that? Remember that whole couple week stretch? That was fun. NFL season's long, man. Storylines go up and down. Now you're playing with house money. No matter what happens on Sunday, the season is a success. I don't think there's any question around that. So over the course of the last 19 games, again, long season, I wanted to finally put together a list. This is something I've wanted to do for a long time now, but I wanted to wait until the season was done. And come last night, I just couldn't help myself. I had to do it. So I put together a list of the best Detroit Lions of the season relative to positional rank, impact on the field, value off the field, and consistency. This is not an MVP award. It would just go to Jared Goff. It would be a dumb exercise because the most valuable player on almost every team is the quarterback. If he gets hurt, season's done. Even Brock Purdy, who I thought was, it was ridiculous that he was in MVP conversations for the, the longest time. The one game he plays poorly against Baltimore in the regular season, they fall apart. So yeah, he was really valuable. Almost did it again on Sunday to Green Bay too. He's not the best player on his team. It's not what this is, but he is valuable. That's not what this list is. Again, it's based on positional rank across the league, impact on the field, value off the field, consistency, footprint, and big play generating ability. Let's start things out at number 10. This is going to seem ridiculous. It's going to seem like I'm doing this for clicks, but I'm not. Jack Fox. Second best hang time in the NFL. Doesn't really mean anything to anybody. 50% of his punts inside the 20 in the regular season. How about this? In the playoff, it's up to 75%. Six of his eight punts have been pinned within the 20-yard line. Dan Campbell gave him a shout-out. That's huge. Like, it gets overlooked, but that's that's enormous. The field position battle is what matters so much in the playoffs. When it comes down to one or two plays, backing a team up, making them start from within their own 20 on a consistent basis, that's huge. Can't give teams opportunities and and let them start in good field position. And Jack Fox makes sure that never happens. Number nine, David Montgomery. Over 1,000 yards. Top 10, while splitting carries for the majority of the season and missing three games. Over 1,000 yards, his over-under on the season was 725, and I know that because I put money on it. And that, that hit in like week 10, maybe, maybe a little bit later than that. He's only 26 years old. People forget about that. He's the bruiser to Gibbs speed. This is the best one-two punch in the league. And I think without either of these Running backs, maybe the other one's stats look better, but the offense isn't as dynamic as it is with both of them. Now, granted, neither of these guys are probably going to lead the league in, pass, in rushing yards. Never going to be these MVP-type, Christian McCaffrey-type players. These RB1s in fantasy probably won't happen. But guess what? It's going to keep them healthy. It's going to let them win games. It's going to maximize every single carry they get. Number eight, Brian Branch. Huh. Watch a Lions game and... Every time they're on defense, don't necessarily watch who makes the tackle, but look at who's at the spot of the tackle. Because almost every single play, Brian Branch is at least there. 
This dude is a hawk for the ball. He sniffs it out. He knows where it's going. He's making plays behind the line of scrimmage. He's making plays 50 yards down the field. He's everywhere. He's a maniac. He's like a pinball. Just going back and forth everywhere around. Makes plays. Number seven, Jameer Gibbs. Finished 28th in carries and still finished with almost 1,000 yards rushing. Second in the league in yards per attempt at 5.2. Third most runs of 10 plus yards. Again, finished with almost 100 less yards, uh, 100 less carries on the ground. It's been phenomenal. Every time he touches the ball, he's a threat to go to the end zone. 12 touchdowns on the season. He's been phenomenal. At 21 years old, every single GM with a brain in the NFL would be picking Jameer Gibbs to be their running back going forward. There is not another option. If every single GM was on the phone or hooked up to a lie detector, every single one of them would tell you, Jameer Gibbs is the running back I want on my team right now. When you take into consideration, he's 21 years old. He's a young rookie. But why would a team ever take a running back with the top 15 pick? It's just ridiculous. Sam Laporta, number six. You guys already know everything about Sam Laporta. And on Sunday, we find out whether or not he's the best tight end in the NFL. Goes head-to-head with Kittle. And for the sake of storylines, eh, whoever has a better game's best tight end in football. Is it realistic? No, nah, probably not. But guess what? They're on the same field. I think those guys are hands down the top two. Cal- Travis Kelsey, I know he had a good game on Sunday, but come on. He's done. It's over. He's on the decline. And has been all season long. Number five, Frank Ragnow. A 90.8 run block grade for PFF. Second best in all of football. 87.6 offensive grade. Third best in all of football. Those numbers would indicate this is the best year of his entire career. He's only allowed one sack all season long. Only six quarterback hits. This dude's a warrior. Warrior. He's been dealing with knee problems, back problems, a toe injury all season long. Going into the year, we knew this guy was going to be banged up with turf toe the entire season. He's just playing with it. Doesn't matter. Had a knee procedure week 18. Got it cleaned up. Cleaned up his meniscus. And then he played week 15 versus Denver. Had knee surgery and played less than a week later. Dealing with back and This is the dude. This is the man. If there's one guy you want in the trench with you in a war, side by side, on this entire team, it's probably Frank Ragnow. If not, a guy who's coming up later on the list. Number four, Jared Goff. Guys already went through Jared Goff today. We don't need to talk about him anymore. We'll move on. Number three, Aiden Hutchinson. He's shot all the way up this list, whereas probably at the end of last season, probably more towards 10. Here's the funny thing with Aiden Hutchinson. Um, Probably second most valuable player on this team. If this was an MVP list, he'd probably be number two. Goff would be one. Hutchinson would be two. There would be no pass or no pressure on opposing quarterbacks if Hutchinson wasn't on this team. I can't express how valuable he is. And he stayed healthy the first two years of his career. I don't want to know what this defense would look like without him because I think you'd be frightened. I think the only way to really find out how valuable Hayden, uh, Aiden Hutchinson is to this team would be if he got hurt or happened to miss a game. Then people would realize, oh, this defense is nothing without him. He anchors them. He allows, he allows Aaron Glenn to play really, really chaotic blitz packages. He allows the secondary to be a little bit more flexible. Because you know, 
You're getting a guy who's going to get after the quarterback. You're getting a guy who's able to pressure the quarterback, whether he's getting sacks or not. He leads the league in pressures, QB hits, and QB hurries. Boo-hoo, he doesn't lead the league in sacks. That's cool. He's 23 years old. He's got time. I know what you're thinking, but he's played more than everyone else. You can't use those stats. Well, guess what? He was one of five guys with a win rate of over 21% this year. Aaron Donald, Miles Garrett, Micah Parsons, and Aiden Hutchinson. Actually, four guys. If only I could count. TJ Watt's not even on that list. And he led the league in sacks. Hmm. His PFF grade went up 10 points from his rookie season. That is an absurd amount of points. However you view PFF, that's ridiculous. He's getting better every game. He has three sacks in the postseason. That leads everybody. Everybody. He turned into a monster down the stretch. And I wrote this down just because I think people forget how big he is. He's 6'7". No, he is 6'7". Don't shake your head. He's massive. Number two, Amon Ra St. Brown. Enough has been said about Amon Ra. First team all pro. Maybe the most reliable wide receiver in the NFL. Catches 75% of the passes thrown to him. Ah, but he's only a slot guy. No, not really. 55% of the snaps are in the slot, sure. 43% are out wide. That's a pretty good number. He's made 15 contested catches this year. It's tied for fifth in all of football. Led the league in first downs. In fact, 64% of his passes caught were first downs. Second in the league in yak. Tied with Tyreek Hill for the most catches of 20-plus yards down the field, so you can't call him a non-downfield threat. I mean, you saw it on Sunday. Caught the touchdown pass. And he played one less game than everyone else. Missed week five against the Panthers. And you guys know who number one is. Didn't miss a single snap all season long. Highest offensive PFF grade of all offensive linemen. Not just tackles, all offensive linemen. And I purposely haven't said his name yet. 91.7. That's his grade. Highest run block grade of all offensive linemen. Not just tackles. And 93.9. Versus the Bucks This Sunday. The highest run block grade in PFF history. Beat out Trent Williams, you know, the first ballot future Hall of Famer, with a 97.5 PFF grade. He allowed one sack all season long and only six QB hits, playing right tackle. The man, the myth, the legend. In just his third year, I can promise you. This guy's going to the Hall of Fame. He'll be in the Ring of Honor. He is a unit of a man. A monster. Penesul. He's the best player on this team. You, there, there's a solid argument for Amon Ra. There's always going to be an argument for the quarterback. Hutchinson, I hope one day, I think he was drafted to be the best player on this team. But right now, it's just hands down Panay Sewell, which is fitting because it was Brad Holmes' first draft pick. Number eight overall, 2021. All right, there you have it. There's the 10 best lines on the team. We'll get to the Frick Sports Bar text line again. You guys can chime in, 989-837-6125. Got a lock of the day still coming up. You're listening to The Payoff, fueled by Forward Energy. Athletics. More of the Great Lakes Bay region's only local sports show. Back to the payoff. Hope everyone's doing fantastic on this Tuesday evening. Ben Bosher here on the payoff closing minutes. Uh, I just saw something online. Back-to-back weeks, the Lions have broken, or I guess the Lions fans, credit to you guys, have broken the decibel record inside of Ford Field. 134.3. Against the, the Rams, it was louder than a jet engine. I don't even know what to compare this to. Shout out to the Lions fans. Best fans in the planet. Uh, all right. Hudson, let's make some money. 
Lock of the day. You better lock it up. No, you lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. All right, we're headed down to the NBA. You guys got to stay up late for this one, or you start your mornings off, and you look at your phone and realize you made a little bit of money while you were sleeping. How about this? Lakers taking on the Clippers today. The NBA is putting together this rivalry week. I don't think most teams in the NBA have a rival these days, but hey, go do your thing, NBA. Lakers taking on the Clippers tonight. Technically a home game for the Clippers, but we all know that's a home game for the Lakers. I'm going to take D'Angelo Russell over 19 and a half points. LeBron is not playing in this one. D'Angelo Russell has to take more of the scoring load. All the good defenders on the Clippers, Kawhi, Paul George, they're all going to be guarding wings. D'Angelo Russell is going to draw like Terrence, man. He's going to have to be more aggressive. Ever since LeBron's been out, he has been more aggressive, which was just a couple days ago. Um, Every time LeBron's out, he's more aggressive. He's hit like five threes in the past like three games. And plus, this could be his last week. This could be his last game as a Laker. He's going to go out strong. He's going to get traded. There's no question around that. So he's going to go out shooting. No LeBron means D'Lo has the green light to shoot whenever he wants. I will take over 19 and a half points for D'Angelo Russell. And when I wake up in the morning, we're going to be a little bit richer. We missed yesterday. We're getting back in it today. There you have it. That was... Lock of the day. You better lock it up. No, you lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. All right, there you go. All right, I wanted to try something different to close out the show. So I wanted some help. Hudson, you've been a great producer for the last few weeks, last few months, ever since the show started in October. And again, we take credit here at the Mitt. Oh, yeah. We take credit for the success of the Wolverines, for the success of the Lions. Ever since we rebranded, teams are on the rise. Uh, Hudson, you've been here the whole step, uh, each step of the way. So I wanted to give you an opportunity. Hudson, what's your best sports take? I just want to hear something different. Let's, let's give the audience something different. What is your best sports take? Well, I mean, you talked about it a little today. It's not necessarily, you know, something new. But the other day I got into a discussion about if culture or coaching is more important in football. I personally believe that culture is more important than the X's and O on the football field. The Lions have made a complete 180 since they hired Dan Campbell. We all know this. Many believe that if Ben Johnson or Aaron Glenn take a head coaching job next season, the Lions will have a fall-off. I 100% disagree with those people. MCDC has installed a grit mentality that we hear at each and every Sunday. This is something that represents the city of Detroit since the bad boy Pistons. In the 20, 2004 going-to-work Pistons that you mentioned earlier, Ben, the grit mentality is Detroit. So losing Ben Johnson or Aaron Glenn next year might not hurt hurt the Lions uh, from the culture side, po- side, but it might hurt the Lions from the play-calling side. But this will be a team that has a mindset that represents the whole city of Detroit. Just take a look at some of the other great coaches in football history that have had success. We've all heard of the Patriot way and Bill Belichick. There's a reason the Patriots won six Super Bowls in 20 years. Yes, you could say Tom Brady carried the whole team, and that is true for some part of his time in Foxborough, but Belichick set the tone from day one, and there's only that there's only one way to do everything, and that is the right way. Take a look at the Belichick coaching tree and their success. Josh McDaniels, 20 and 33 as a head coach, fired. Joe Judge, 10 and 23, fired. And Detroit's favorite person of all time, Matt Patricia, as the Lions head coach, 13 and 29. Guess what? He was fired too. The best coach to come from the Belichick coaching tree is the new OC at Ohio State, Bill O'Brien. And guess what? Mm. He was fired too. Mm. All of the Belichick disciples have tried to replicate the Patriot way, but have failed tremendously. They have always been good play callers on the defensive and offensive side of the ball, but that does not make them a good head coach. 
Take a look at America's team. Mike McCarthy was on the hot seat the whole season. The Lions are America's team. Come on, Hudson. Actually, the Michigan Wolverines. <laughs> but McCarthy was on the hot seat the whole season. But why? He won 12 games, three seasons in a row, two division titles. The reason is he can't set a culture in Dallas. And I think that's because of Jerry Jones. The way he runs the team. He wants control of every each and every little thing. And not, not to give McCarthy any opportunity. Look when McCarthy was in Green Bay. He brought a Super Bowl back to Wisconsin, so he has the resume. He has the players in Dallas. He just has not been able to set the culture in Dallas like he could in Green Bay. In his first three seasons in the playoffs for the, as the Packers head coach, he won five games, including the Super Bowl. He's won one game for the Cowboys in that same time frame. There's no identity and culture for these Cowboys. All of this can go and relate to the college game, too. With the chaos that college football is right now with NIL and Transfer Portal, it's difficult to set a culture, but the ones that can set a strong identity will prevail. Jim Harbaugh and Michigan have been building their culture since he was hired in 2015. Yeah. This has got them three Big Ten titles, three CFP berths, and one national title. The most impressive one is Nick Saban. We all know what Saban has done at Alabama, turning the tide into the standard of college football. The coaches that cycle through Alabama have not affected what they're known for. Tommy Reese was the ninth OC at Alabama under Saban. They've had seven DCs in that same time. There's a reason that they have success. They do, and it, it's not all the four and five stars that they have coming in and out. It's the mentality that all these Alabama teams have. Take a look at Lincoln Riley at USC. They get four and five star players too, don't they, Ben? <laughs> Lincoln Riley typically has a five-star quarterback in his back pocket, yeah. But we have not seen a USC no, team coached right. by Lincoln Riley in the CFP. You're Oklahoma, right. When he was at Oklahoma, that was a little different. They had three playoff bursts. But his teams did not win a national title. Riley is an offensive-minded guy who develops quarterbacks. Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, Caleb Williams. You could even throw Jalen Hurts in there a little bit. Now, let me ask you this. Do you think he'll have success in the Big Ten in I'll cold get, weather? I'll, let me get to that. Oh. So he's, had, he's developed all these quarterbacks. Baker, Kyler, Caleb Williams. You can throw Jalen Hurts in there. All of these are stud quarterbacks. But what have, what have they all won in college? Not a single damn thing. <laughs> Riley relies on the defensive staff to get the side ready for games and wants to just win in shootouts each and every week. Coming to the Big Ten, that will not win you games. He needs to set the culture so they can play against the ground-and-pound teams or the defensive-minded teams like the Iowas. Because I know damn well when he, they come to the big house in September, whether it's Harbaugh, probably not, or Sharon Moore is the head coach, they will need to have a standard when the game gets tough. And right now, I just do not see a standard that USC has under Lincoln Riley. To wrap this all up, the culture of any program, whether NCAA or NFL, is the tipping point. There are good teams in football, but the great teams are the ones that have a reliable culture and can fall back on those standards set on day one of fall camp. So there's no reason to worry if Ben Johnson or Aaron Glenn will leave next season because Dan Campbell will still have the boys rolling. After all, now that there's a standard and a culture not just understood by the team in the city, but it's understood by the entire league, they will get at each and every team's best. So yes, I would say culture is more important. Than coaching. Trying to steal my job or something, man? Something like that. Kind of cooking, like cooking there for a second. I, I mean, I've kind of been in step with you on this one uh, in terms of, okay, yeah, Ben Johnson, Aaron Glenn leaves. I mean, you saw it this year with the Eagles. They lose both coordinators and they fall off a freaking cliff flat on their face. They don't have a great culture there. Nobody knows what Nick Sirianni's thing is in Philadelphia. He's just some crazy guy. Whereas Dan Campbell has. A winning mentality. A call. It's not just crazy in your face. It's we're going to work harder than everybody else. And I think that's way more sustainable than bringing in, uh, than than changing your your offense and defensive coordinator every year. Will the Lions take a step back offensively? Maybe, but they're still going to be really damn good. It's not like they're losing any of their players. That's who makes the plays, right? 
Yeah, and I mean, just to go back to the the Eagles side of things, you said Sirianni, there's no culture. When they won the Super Bowl a couple years ago, what was Lane Johnson wearing after the NFC Championship game? A dog mask. They had that dog mentality oh, that's right. that they were going to win at each and every single game in the trenches with Jason Kelsey, uh, Jordan Mulatto, Lane Johnson. Was that the first, like, was that Sirianni or was that? That was that Peterson. Was, yeah, that, that was Doug Peterson. And, and then Nick and Sirianni comes mentality. in. Nick Sirianni comes in and it's, I don't even know what their culture is. It's in your face. We're just Philadelphia jerks. I mean, I can remember an interview that Sirianni had last year. He said it's a dog mentality, you know, try and emphasize the W and dog. But Yeah, you're but just a clown, at, bro. I mean, you're just a clown, man. You I, almost I, lost your job this year. I would say it's a puppy mentality there. <laughs> it is terrible uh yeah the line that's not going anywhere as long as dan campbell's here and dan campbell's not going anywhere losing both coordinators it's not a good thing i'm not gonna tell you that but i think they're gonna be fine they're gonna figure it out they're gonna hire the right people that's been the key part of this ever since sheila ford took over they hire the right people she hired ben uh dan campbell and ben she hired dan campbell and brad holmes they hire all these great people around them they just find ben johnson off the street Dan Campbell's going to hire people he thinks will fit in with the Lions. He's not going to hire some bozo who doesn't know what he's doing. Anthony Lynn's not coming back. <laughs> Don't worry. Sadly. Yeah, right. Uh, for a while, people thought when, when people thought Mike McCarthy was going to fu- get fired, people sh- were like, right, let's have him replace Ben Johnson. He's a good... No. No. You're going to bring in people who fit this culture, who are workhorses. I got a question for you, Ben. Do you think McCarthy should have been fired? Or yes. It was- Oh my God! I, yes. dis- I disagree. Hundred percent disagree. I-, I think Jerry they lose every year in the playoffs. I, I understand that is that's true. But I-, I mentioned it in this in this uh, little monologue I just had that Jerry Jones wants to take over each and everything. He's not allowing Mike McCarthy to set anything up and sustain. It's Jerry Jones's way or the highway. And it, what has Jerry Jones done? Nothing in the past thirty years. You're not wrong. L owner. No Sheila Hamp. No Sheila Hamp, baby. All got right. a cool stadium, though. <laughs> they do have a cool stadium. All right, guys. There you have it. We'll be back tomorrow. Same time, same place. You guys stayed here for it. Thank you, guys. That was the payoff. I hope it was worth it.